Would you pray with me? Loving God, send your Holy Spirit to blow through this place and through our hearts. Speak to us this morning, each in our own language. In Christ we pray. Amen. So today we celebrate Pentecost, a word that means 50th, borrowed from the Jewish tradition of the festival of weeks that takes place 50 days after Passover. And for Christians, it takes place 50 days after Easter and remembers the day that the Holy Spirit came with conviction and confusion upon the crowd of disciples in Jerusalem uh, just after Jesus' death and resurrection. And as the text says, the Spirit came with a sound like a violent wind and, and then tongues like, like fire rested upon the disciples, and they each began speaking in different languages. And so it was loud, and it was chaotic, and, and the crowd that gathered assumed that they must have been drinking. And then miraculously, they could understand each other, each in their own language. Are these not all Galileans, and yet each of us here in our own native language, the crowd said. What does it all mean? It's a, it's a striking image, this, this cacophony of voices and, and language all clamoring to be heard. And this year, as I reflected on this passage, what came to mind for me was the similar cacophony of voices that we experience every day in our 21st century world with our never-sleeping, always-updating media-saturated, 24-hour breaking news and the commentary on the news and the commentary on the commentary of the news. We are inundated with voices, some of them civil, but mostly not. Mostly, they rant and rage and talk on top of each other and talk past each other not really intending to persuade the other side so much as inflame their base. And it works. We are inflamed. We walk around with tongues of fire, burning not with love of neighbor, but with outrage and disbelief. How can people believe that, we wonder? Who would do such a thing, we ask? And all of it feels to me, so overwhelming and sometimes scary. It feels like theater and yet vitally important. It feels repulsive and addictive. Mostly it just feels exhausting. There are just so many issues and there are so many opinions and stories and mixed perspectives on each of those issues. What's real and what isn't? What's important and what's not? It's hard to make sense of the world right now. But there is something hopeful in all of this. In our text, remember, it said that they could understand each other even though they spoke in their own language. And in today's world, part of what's going on is that people are insisting on speaking 
in their own language. We might wish that it weren't so complicated. We might wish for simpler times of, say, the 1950s. It seemed more civil. And in many ways, it was more civil. But it was not a time when people felt free to speak in their own language. At least not if you were a woman or queer or a person of color or had a disability or even just had different views on, say, capitalism or the military or the environment. It was more analogous to a time when there was one language and you either spoke it or you kept silent. So there is something beautiful about this cacophony too. There's a hint of of revolution to it, a sense that things too long buried are rising up and refusing to be ignored, which of course makes other things rise up too. It brings up other voices that liked things the way they were or benefited from the way things were or just don't like all the conflict of the way things are. And everything just keeps getting louder and louder and louder. Remember when you were in elementary school and you you went into the lunchroom? Now, if you were the first class in that large space, things were kind of calm and quiet. But as more kids came in, you had to talk a little louder and a little louder. And because you had started talking louder, others had to talk louder. And the volume slowly crept up until it was almost impossible to hear anything. Everyone was just trying to be heard, but in the process, they were contributing to the very noise that made it harder to hear. I'm calling this the lunchroom effect, which I figured must have already been a a thing, right? So I Googled it. No one has claimed it yet, so (laughs) when the lunchroom effect goes viral, you'll know you heard it here first. And it's like an arms race, right? We keep raising the volume, hoping to be heard, but in the end, we just make it harder to listen. But the reverse of the lunchroom effect also works. If enough people in the room start talking more softly, the decibel level drops enough for others to start talking more softly too. And after a while, things can start going the other way. And we need things to start going the other way. Amen. We need the volume to come down. So how do we do that? On any kind of scale large enough to have an impact, I have no idea. I mean, I did just come up with the lunchroom effect, which feels like (laughs) plenty for a sermon, so I don't know. What I do know is that even our individual efforts to turn down the volume, even if they won't make much difference, they're still worth doing. Each of us has control over what we do or don't contribute to the noise level. So I have two suggestions for you. First, at least try not to add to the noise. This is the equivalent of the axiom, 
do no harm. If you can't find ways to decrease the volume, at least try not to increase it, which isn't easy, right? The last few years have been really challenging, no matter what our situation is. The pandemic and the politics and the gun violence and the wildfires and the 12 other things we've had to worry about have left us all angrier than we think we are and more afraid than we think we are. And that fear and that anger end up coming out sideways. We lose our patience with the tech guy on the phone. We shoot back a snarky email to a colleague at work. We complain and we criticize and we are grumpy more often than we used to be. Because it's really easy right now to add to the noise. And it's understandable. We need plenty of grace. But we're all also responsible for how we show up in the world. And being more careful about what we say and how we say it is an act of caring that our world desperately needs right now. It won't make much difference in the overall noise level, but it may make a big difference in someone else's day. And that might just help them be a little kinder to someone else, and one by one, maybe we can start moving the dial in the right direction. The second suggestion I have for you is that you can take breaks from the noise. The nice thing about the lunchroom that we're all in is that we're not in school, and there is no teacher monitoring the door. You can take your lunch out on the lawn if you want to. In other words, you can disconnect now and then from CNN and NBC and NPR and all the other letters, too. I know we need to stay informed, but we also need to stay sane. And when we step away from our screens, we find there's a whole world out there that isn't paying attention. The rabbit in my yard in the morning is blessedly unaware of the latest headlines. And sometimes we need to be too. We need time to just go for walks, play games, read books, cook meals, work in the garden. Stepping out of the lunchroom is good for your soul. And it's also good for the lunchroom. Because when you go back in, you're more grounded, grounded and centered and more likely to be a part of the solution instead of part of the pollution. I really do believe our world is in a Pentecost moment right now. The cacophony of languages around us is challenging, but it is also hopeful. Voices are being heard that we've never heard before. And they have ideas and possibilities that we have never considered before. God is in the midst of all of this. But it's hard to see it. And it's even harder to hear it. So let's each of us do what we can to turn down the volume.